and primarily driven by leveling the playing field and creating economic opportunities for more women in the workforce. Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. March is Women's History Month, and more than 100 Silicon Valley professionals are paying it forward, mentoring 100,000 female students and recent grads. It's a grassroots effort, and it is the brainchild of Charu Sharma. She is the CEO and founder of the mentoring mobile app NextPlay.ai, and she joins me today on this podcast from San Francisco. It is great to have you here, Charu. Hi, Alexis. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So this initiative, I mean, this is really impressive because it began by word of mouth. I mean, you basically called some friends in in Silicon Valley and said, you know, would you help out and mentor? And then I guess they called a friend and they called a friend. And here you are with over a thousand companies participating. Uh, yeah, that's exactly how it happened. It, um, I think it really speaks to people's sentiment of saying it forward especially women in the workforce. And uh, the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of initiative and movements like Time's Up and Need To. And I think there was a lot of emotion in this world that needed to be channeled constructively. So I think this was a great opportunity for a lot of professionals to come forward and then offer just 30 minutes to help a young woman entering the workforce. And why is it uh, women at that stage in their careers, recent grads, very early on in their careers, you, you believe it's important to start the mentoring process very early on? Yes. So, um, well, this March, um, we wanted to focus on women who are entering the workforce because um, I think people talk about this glass ceiling, but actually it is a sticky floor that hits you way before. So this gender gap, including the pay gap, including the projects you're assigned. Um, it starts in your first job itself. And then this gap keeps compounding over time. And then that, that really builds up. And so we wanted to help the women in their first job itself. So we're, uh, we have recruited mentees who are in universities and who are recent graduates. And we're continuing to sign up more mentees as well as mentors. Now, let's be clear. The mentors do not have to be women. You have men and women who are mentoring these young women, correct? That's right. And tell me why that's that's important, right? Because there was a backlash after the Me Too movement. A lot of men said they felt uncomfortable having to spend any time alone with a woman. And that could, in the long run, hurt her ability to, to move up within her company. Absolutely. I think it's really unfortunate that we saw this backlash, this unforeseen backlash after Me Too. And so a lot of executives, a lot of really senior and powerful people are not comfortable building those connections with women anymore, which really, really hurts us. And I experienced this myself when I was raising money in Silicon Valley from VCs. Um, so I, I, I have full empathy for that and for both sides. But I think an opportunity like this creates a safe space and the right intention for everyone involved. So we see a lot of allies and a lot of really powerful men signed up for this initiative. There are executives from, you know, every tech company, you name it. It's Lyft, LinkedIn, Salesforce, Facebook, SurveyMonkey, and in Silicon Valley, but also in India, in Israel, in in Jerusalem. They're hosting a bunch of events now to complement this movement. And it's really amazing how this grassroots movement is really just inspiring um hundreds of thousands of people now. And I'm excited to see where what, what becomes of it. 
and, and whether or not it can be an annual event, you know, every March for, for Women's Month. Of course, you'd like to think it happens sort of all That's year a good long. Yeah, actually. <laughs> right? Yeah. Good. Well, sign me up. I'd love to. I'd love to mentor. I think it's. Thank I think you. it's. It's a fabulous cause um, for men and for women. Um, so this idea of mentoring has really been a long-running theme for you throughout your career. You founded uh, Next Play. AI, this mobile app, two years ago, and you already have some really big name clients, right? Coca-Cola, uh, Square, Lyft. Tell us how you are using AI to help these companies mentor and retain their workers. Definitely. Um, it's a very tight labor market today, and companies are desperate to hire more and more people. And um, actually, over 60% of Fortune 500 companies they're going through digital transformation. So within the next two years, they're going to change their business model, which means they're going to require a totally different skill set for their workforce. So they have to do two things. One, they have to hire a lot. And second, they have to upskill their existing workforce. And this really applies for companies at any size. You really have to prepare your work, workforce to have the right skills to be ready for tomorrow, mm-hmm. which is very uncertain. And so what we do is we build mentoring programs within companies internally so employees can learn from each other and build this culture of learning and sharing and mentorship. So uh, let's say we'll take Coca-Cola or Splunk as an example. They're both our clients. So we go into the company. Their employees download our mobile app. They fill out some questions. They talk to the AI, and they tell the AI about their goals and preferences. And then we match the, men- the mentees and mentors within the company at scale. The matching is the biggest place where AI is used today. And we take into account not only the goals they tell us, but we also predict. And that's, again, where the AI comes in. Mm-hmm. So we predict um, what could their needs be and how is that affected by, say, their gender, their stage in life. If it's a woman who's going on mat leave, what, what stage is she in? If it's uh, a black female engineer, how does she feel and what might she need, you know? So we take a lot of those things into account. It's a very, very inclusive algorithm. And over 95% of the people we've matched have met more than three times. So that's, that's a pretty that's very strong good. stat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the matching, the app actually also gives you personalized nudges. So if you're my mentor, Alexis, mm-hmm. if you and I are matched, if our first meeting is coming up tomorrow, then the app pings us, and it will give us some conversation topics. Okay, if some you prompts. And I have met, some conversation mm-hmm. com- you, prompts. Okay. Yes. And if you and I haven't met in, say, three weeks, then it will remind us to schedule the next meeting. So it's pretty smart like that. Oh, it sounds like it's super smart. And, and I like the idea of mentoring people while they're within the company. I think too often, once they've got the job, sort of the, we think the mentoring should, should stop. And, and also my question to you is, is mentoring just a young person's thing? Or can somebody, should somebody be mentored at different stages of their career? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with your age. I think it has to do with the growth mindset. Mm-hmm. And especially in this rapidly changing world, we all, regardless of our generation, need to be constantly building our skills. Because we have to stay relevant for tomorrow in the workforce, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we see so many use cases for our product for reverse mentoring. Large companies come to us and they want to pair their executives and senior leaders 
to actually the incoming workforce because they want to understand um, how the young consumers work today, right? So th there are many reasons why people across every generation uh, should be mentored and should find a mentor. Mm -hmm. But I think goals are really personal. So it could be, it's hugely also influenced by what's going on in your personal life. Mm -hmm. So we have a client and they're a big company, so they've been around for decades. And we had a mentee who was going on mat leave. And she became, when thanks to the mentor we assigned to her and thanks to the mentoring conversation she had, mm -hmm. she became the first woman at her company to get promoted while away on mat leave. Wow. That's, that's huge. <laughs> that is that is pretty huge. That's a nice phone call to get while you're on maternity leave. Hey, you know what? You yeah. got a promotion. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So tell me about why, when you're speaking to the mentors, why do they do this? And, and does any of this ever really result in people finding jobs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the number one um, drive is definitely altruism. They want to pay it forward. They want to help someone. And I, I think that sentiment in humans should not be underestimated, right? <laughs> You're, giving us faith. You're giving us faith again, renewed faith in the human spirit. <laughs> I, I, I think um, beyond paying it forward, by being a mentor, you can truly develop your leadership, managerial, and mentoring and coaching skills. Mm -hmm. So we see how mentors benefit as much as the mentees after, um, after a period of time. And that results into them getting ahead in their careers by uh, building um, cross-functional relationships across the company by understanding the big picture, by getting more empathy for the mentee, by just becoming better coaches, asking the right questions, problem solving. And the third set, the third biggest drive is actually to build their talent pipeline. Mm -hmm. So we see a lot of mentors after coaching somebody or mentoring somebody for a few months, often they'll poach them, you know, hey, come work on my team, actually. Right? Right. Um, so that's pretty common. And uh Setting up internal mentoring programs can really help the company create internal mobility, where instead of losing out your employees, you actually keep your employees as long as you help them see a clear growth path within the company. So if they have a passion, help them live it at your company and don't just lose them. Yeah. When they feel like they're being valued, it's amazing how much they'll, they'll want to keep on working for you. Um, you know, you have a very unique story and I think a very inspirational one and I'd love for you to share it with us. I know that you're uh, an immigrant from India. You're actually out of college not that many years ago. Uh, you're quite young to have accomplished all that you have, Charu, and you founded two award-winning startups while in college before being recruited by LinkedIn. Um, so you had a lot on your plate. What was your inspiration for coming to the United States and for starting the companies that you have? Mm. Um, so I grew up in the I grew up in India in a family where women were not allowed to work, um, as as you know. And um, I think that had motivated me to do all these things because from deep within, I'm I'm primarily driven by leveling the playing field and creating economic opportunities for more women in the workforce. And so I came to the U.S. on the scholarship. And when I entered the workforce, I very quickly realized how it's definitely not a level playing field in the U.S. either. Um, and I how, think that I, I'm going to stop you for a moment because I'm I'm curious to know, sort of your on for your personal experience, 
what did you find was different? Like when you entered the workforce here in the U.S., what was surprising to you as a young woman? Hmm. So I think for everyone, when we leave university and enter the workforce, first of all, um, you're on your own for the first time. Mm-hmm. There are no thoughts or structures today. There are no, uh, you know, it's not like you're a freshman and a sophomore, <laughs> et cetera. Right. And so everyone goes through this huge life stage shift. And so that's scary to begin with. But on top of that, especially for women and people of color, uh, the workplace rules are not established to optimize for your success. The way leadership is perceived, um, the microaggressions on a daily basis. So I worked at LinkedIn, which is which is a great tech company. They have an amazing culture, great leadership. And even there, early in my career, I used to face backlashes for being ambitious. Just mm. the advice I would get on a daily basis. Um, you know, I, I saw how in just the first couple of years in the workforce, my confidence levels dipped and my ambition levels dipped and I would second guess mm-hmm. myself so much. And we already have imposter syndrome to begin with. And then you couple that with just people, you know, not incentivizing you and, and in fact, penalizing you for asking for more responsibilities or, or you know, wanting to do bigger things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really hurts a young woman. And, and, you know, for that reason, this month of March, we especially wanted to focus on young women who are just entering the workforce because mm-hmm. we want to help them with resources, with knowledge and with a support system um, pretty early on. Talk to me about the companies you founded while in your dorm room. You know, that sounds a little familiar. There's a little company called Facebook that did the same thing. <laughs> but what, what did you found while you were in college? Yes. Um, so... I truly, truly believe in the power of mentoring and role models. And, you know, that's what I'm doing next play. Uh, but when I was in college, I interned at a startup uh, in my sophomore year where the CEO was a very young man, and he was uh, of Indian origin. Mm-hmm. And I think I didn't realize it at the time, but because I saw him running this company, that was actually you, uh, funny you mentioned Facebook. It, uh, it was started by Divya Narendra and Dinklewalk twins who, oh. um, uh, from the you know, Facebook scandal. Um, and um, I think just seeing somebody I identify with run a company was huge. Mm-hmm. And so the next time when I was in college, when I saw this problem, I immediately just built a solution. And I, I wasn't trying to start a company. I just wanted to solve for it. Mm-hmm. And so we were connecting graduating students to alums of the institution to uh, have informational interviews and prepare for their job interviews. And so it was a problem that my peers had because when they would apply to consulting jobs, they would want to prepare for case interviews. Mm-hmm. And career centers are not very well equipped. Um, and so that, it, was a, it was a little problem I saw, and then I built a solution and something that came out of it. And then I think that habit mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or that little step to solve for something soon became a habit. Uh, and, um, you know, then when I saw another issue, then I started a company, then I saw the, the lack of role models. And so then I started Go Against the Flow that we talked about two years ago, mm-hmm. where we told stories of successful female founders um, to a million women around the world by our documentary film. And again, you know, that speaks to the power of role models and mentors. So you can see a theme in everything that I've done. It's, it's, I think it's really about connecting people mm-hmm. with dreams and talent to the right support system and mentors who can help them get ahead. You know, I don't have to tell you that the cards were 
were kind of stacked against you when you came here uh, to uh, to do what you did. I mean, you were when you started Next Play, you were uh, fresh out of college. You were um, a female. Uh, you didn't have a lot of experience, uh, but you're whippersnapper smart. We can all tell that. And you are ambitious and you have this calling to, to mentor people. What was it like for you when you started to hit the pavement and find funding for your startup? Yes. Um, it was really hard. And I think it helped that I've spoken to founders and were get startups before because I understood what I was going into. Although, you know, it, it's really hard to experience it yourself, no matter how until, great you until are. Until you're in it. Right, right. Yes, absolutely. And um, I have been in so many rooms where the male VCs would just look at my chest when I was mm-hmm. pitching to them. You know, and if I took my male co-founder with me, they would look at him, even though I am pitching and I'm talking about the numbers and I know the numbers. I'm the CEO, um, but they would keep looking at him and they would ask him the right question, him the questions. And then he would refer to me. I would answer again the follow up to him. And it really gets to you. But I just I had to be patient. And um, over 150 investors told me no. And it was really hard, but mm. we just kept going. And, you know, ultimately, because I didn't start this company to have an IPO, to have an exit. I started the company because I really want to solve for this problem. So I just kept going. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, okay, if they don't fund me, then I'll find other sources. Uh, but thankfully, we found some investors. So we were backed by 500 startups, executives from LinkedIn, Salesforce, uh, uh, TechCrunch, uh, a couple of VC firms. So um, ultimately, we were able to find some people who got behind the mission, and it really just takes a few to get started. Mm-hmm. You, did you find that um, when, because recent studies have shown that when women uh, go out for funding for their startup, investors, potential investors, ask them different questions than they do mm-hmm. men, or they ask them those same questions, but in a different way. Did, did you experience that? Yes. Oh, absolutely. So VCs are known for pattern matching, right? And, and that's how they optimize for their success and their returns. Um, and they have seen the people who are widely successful, the founders who gave them returns, they look like Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. And so they're white men. And um, it's so funny when a young man, and, and uh, there are studies that have been done, so I'm not just making it up. Uh, when a young man goes into just to a VC, they'll think, oh, wow, he's the next Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. When a young woman goes into just to them, they'll think, oh, she hasn't seen the world yet. How will she run a business? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when an older man goes to pitch to them, they'll think, um, oh, wow, he's mature and he has experience. He's going to be a great leader. And then same, if a woman goes, they'll think, oh, well, she probably, she's going to have kids soon. Or mm-hmm. she already has kids. And then that just somehow means that, oh, she cannot work hard. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's bizarre and it's ridiculous. But I think this is a systemic issue. And what needs to happen is we need to have more women writing checks. And not just a few, but enough that they actually have a seat at the table. And they don't feel like minorities and helpless themselves in their workplace. So... About a year and a half ago, a bunch of female VCs came together and started All Raise. Um, you might have heard of it. And so they're constantly helping uh, funnel more women in VC. And when there are more women writing checks, I think that will severely just turn the tables and mm-hmm. create more female founders like myself. 
Yeah, a recent survey by IBM found that just 18% of senior leadership at companies around the world uh, belong to women. So we, we may have come very far, but we have we have far to go. Charu Sharma, CEO and founder of Nextplay, best of luck with all of your endeavors and thanks so much for being with us on this podcast. Thank you, Lector. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.